0: We serve a good King, a good God, and He's here with us tonight. Come on, let's sing this together. There is a Savior, there is a King, there is a power beyond defeat. Come on. God over them, that need to be reminded of the goodness of God, because you're not feeling it right now, or you're not seeing it right now. And I just was reminded of Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. It says, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, wait for the Lord. I just want to take 10 seconds just to stir faith in this room. Can we just speak the goodness of God? Can we lift our voice and remind our soul tonight? God is good. Come on, church, lift your voice. God, you're good. God, you are faithful. God, you are present. God, you are with us. God, you see us. You know us. Yes, you are good. You're good. Play the rise tonight.
1: as we sing those words, holy, holy, holy. Would you say it with me? Holy, holy, holy. These words come directly from scripture. St. John in Revelation chapter four says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. A few verses down he says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Church, we serve a holy God. We serve a God who is set apart, who has set his people apart. We serve a God who sees us, who knows us, and who desires to have a relationship with us. Part of our worship here is, is singing and part of our worship is, is praying and, and hearing the words spoken of us, over us. And a part of our worship is also through our giving. A story I want to tell you starts in November of 1980. There's a church off Colorado Boulevard in I-70 in Denver, a primarily African-American church that found it within themselves, their generosity, their worship for God, to, find, to seek out a family from southwest India to bring them in 1980 from Kerala, India, to Denver, Colorado. In November of 1980, my mom and her five older brothers and her parents were, through the generosity of a church, welcomed to leave their home country and come here so that I and my cousins and my siblings could have a life here. And that is what the generosity of God's people does. They didn't give their tithes and their offerings. They didn't find it within themselves because it was the right thing to do or they could get a tax break or or they could get a pat on the back. No, they saw it as their mission of the people of God to reach out an arm, to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, to house the unhoused and say, as our worship goes to God, we will extend our hand. Here at New Life Church, that is what we do. That is what we do as the people of God. We give what God has already so graciously given to us and we give it back to him. We take people from dire circumstances and we give them a home. We see people, we value people, we dignify people. And so that's what our tithes and our offerings go to. I want you to know that. It's not to pay a pastor. It's not so we can get better communion or better snacks or anything like that. It's so that you and I, as the people of God, through our worship, through saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, we will give what we have. There are three ways to give here at New Life, and you can see that on the screen. But before you give, or if you already have, I challenge you to think about your worship your worship of a holy God, that this is what we are to give to him. We give everything that he has already given us and we give it right back to him. Would you bow your heads if I could pray for you? Lord Jesus, we say, come. God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are just. And we worship you for that. God, we say thank you for what you have given to us. Would we be and continue to be a generous people? Seeking out those who are in need, God, as you so graciously sought us out. Father, would you move something in us tonight to give our time, to give our resources, whatever we have, Lord Jesus, would we give it back to you and to your people. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: This room is jam-packed with people who came to worship Jesus, and I'm meeting some new families tonight. We are thrilled you are here, so thanks for coming tonight. Someone told me that uh, there was a rumor that Taylor and Travis were here, and it's not true. Kelsey, Swift, anyway, anyway. Uh, Thank you for coming to church for the right reasons, and we are thrilled to have you. I'm Daniel Grothy, the pastor here And if you're new, swing by Guest Central after the service, and we would love to say hi to you and give you a gift. Second thing, I wanna really encourage some of you, especially maybe parents of children that are in that impressionable age, we have a great mission trip to Guatemala, to Casa Angelina coming this year. And after the service, if you wanna find out more information about that, I took my then 13-year-old son, Wilson, this last year, and it changed both of our lives. And I want to encourage you, if you can, to get your kids uh, seeing the world so that they realize that the world is not Gate, right? That, that there's pain, that there's poverty, that there's, that there's beautiful culture, that there's different languages and different ways of worshiping Jesus. So if you want to get signed up to help on that trip, you can get more information about Guatemala after the service with Vincent. And then this is a fun announcement. There are lights on on a silver Lexus CPQW88. <laughs> If you want to drive home, go turn your lights off, okay? Now, take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, and then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three, be nice. All right, all right, all right. Grab your seats if you would. And we had to pull some chairs in and everything back there. Much love to all of you. Welcome. Sitting behind the sound booth That's what we call the cheap seats back there. But we're glad you're here. It's a good sound right there. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 6? We're in week 6 of our series going through the Gospel of John. And it's been just a blast to chip away through this text. We're going to take it all the way past Easter, a couple weeks. So if you're new with us, just grab the Gospel of John and read it ahead of time. Come ready. Uh, But what I'm going to do tonight is read the first 15 verses of John chapter 6. Maybe a story that many of you have heard. Maybe it's a new story. I pray for those of you who've heard it before that it would come to life afresh. I pray for those of you who are new that it would grab your attention and that you would see Jesus for who he is tonight. So as you come, would you prepare your hearts? Would you open your spirit? Would you silence all distractions and hear the word of the Lord out of John chapter 6, 1 through 15. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. He went from sort of the holy side, the side of Israel, the people of God, over to the other side, the the kind of sketchy side, the other side of the tracks, where all the unclean people are. I say that tongue in cheek. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat after healing people and the crowds and the the adrenaline and the rush and all of the people just needing, just wanting him. And he sat down finally to take a deep breath with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. He was getting ready to go to work. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat and he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do sometimes Jesus loves us enough to test us Philip answered him uh, it would take more than half a year's wages Jesus to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite like that's a stupid idea send them back we, welfare What are we, socialism Jesus?" Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. I'll take care of it. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you tonight. Would you come and host this meal? Would you come and be king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, would you come and speak to us in a way that only you can. We've got this room filled with hungry people. And we've been exhausted this week. We've heard things this week that have stunned us. We've seen things this week that have broken our hearts. We've, we've come in with some of the chaos of the world, and now we lay it down in your presence, and we say, Jesus, be Lord tonight. Speak to us and train us and challenge us and encourage us and strengthen us. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Sometimes we make Jesus just uber spiritual. We make it seem that Jesus is primarily and maybe even only concerned about the soul and heaven and the eternal and the afterlife. But this text tonight shows us That Jesus is paying attention to the needs of the people. Jesus was just given a holiday. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. Verse four, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. So he's getting ready to go into the craziest time of the year. He'll probably go up to Jerusalem to do his work, which is where kind of all the action is. So he's out by the Sea of Galilee. He crosses over to leave work, to leave the masses. And he goes over just for a quick reset, a Sabbath, uh, just some time away with his disciples. And he goes up and you know, there's some trees around and Jesus tucks up under the, 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 afternoon sun and he finds a nice place. There's plenty of grass there. Remember Jesus lays down, he's getting ready to rest He just healed all these people. He's been in a flurry. He's getting ready to go into a flurry called the Passover festival. So Jesus goes for kind of a Sabbath break over to the other side to rest. And then he sees the dust cloud. 5,000 men on the way over, and Jesus jumps right up to his feet. And when Jesus looked up and saw the crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? There, Jesus wants to feed the people. Jesus knows that these people are hungry. They've made a long journey around the Sea of Galilee, 5,000 people. This is miles that they've walked in the heat, he's out there on a mountainside, there's no running water, there's no bathrooms, there's no shelter but some trees, there's no village markets or organized grocery stores, and there's 5,000 men, not including women and children. So if half of those men are married, that means that there's 2,500 women, 7,500 people. And if those women, if, if, if they have three children on average, which would have been for them simple, that's just getting started in that society. Three children on average, that's another 7,500 kids. So 15,000 people easily, probably cl- closer to twenty to 25,000 people. Journey around the north side of the Sea of Galilee because they got word that Jesus was over there in the trees and they wanted to see what Jesus was about. He just healed people. This guy's doing great work everywhere he goes. He teaches as one who has authority, not like their rulers and scribes and teachers of the law. There's something different about Jesus and we have to know. And Jesus isn't a diva. Jesus isn't stand office. Jesus doesn't have an entourage. Jesus doesn't have to have appointments booked out. Jesus will just work with whoever's in front of him. Jesus will just be gracious to whoever, whoever needs compassion and kindness. Jesus opens up his heart. He gives up his rest. He stands back up and he takes care of the people. We, we, see, we need to stop spiritualizing Jesus into some indifferent moral teacher. Jesus cares about people. <laughs> he cares about their real needs. Jesus pays attention to discern. Oh, they've all come over together. It's hot out here. They, there's no markets. They're going to be hungry. They got all these babies. We need to take care of it. Where are we going to find enough bread to feed these people? Jesus asks. And he expects his disciples to have compassion too. And it takes him like two or three rounds to wake up their spirits see the needs of these people. Jesus loves people. Jesus wants people to flourish. Jesus wants people to be well. Jesus wants people to have provision. Jesus wants people to be satisfied. Get it. Let's get a food. Let's get some food going. We've got to take care of people. So I want to challenge you tonight, church. Don't ever walk into a room without seeing and discerning the needs of the people around you. Be like Jesus. Keep your eyes open. Jesus is always watching for the needy. Jesus is always going out of his way. Jesus is always available. Jesus never says no to the humble. Jesus never says no to the needy. Jesus never turns his back. Be like Jesus. Walk into rooms and and read the room and ask for discernment from the Holy Spirit to see who needs your help, to see who needs your encouragement, to see who needs your strength. In whatever way you can leverage your strength for other people, every time you do it, you will be being like Jesus. Train yourself to pay attention. Listen for the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had the nudge? Have you ever been in Costco? where the devil does really good work. <laughs> right? Everyone's losing their stuff. And wow, kids are just yelling. Ah, people are running, ramming each other with carts. And, 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 but if you can keep your composure and if you can get up to those checkout lines, have you ever seen someone like counting change? Have you ever seen someone who go, they're taking things out of their basket after the total is rung up? I've done that. Right? If you see that and you're able to eliminate the undignifying moment that's in front of you, go do it right now in Jesus' name. If you're, and, do, and do it in such a way where you're not the hero. Do it in such a way that they, it's like, blessing, it's all good. Are you okay, you good? Love you, have a great day. Honor them, lift the moment. Don't go, charity, oh, let me just rescue you right now. Oh, bless your little heart. Oh, it's been a tough, tough month, huh? be a blessing, pay attention, Jesus saw that they were hungry, Jesus saw that they were tired, he saw that they were ragged, he read the situation, Jesus is always paying attention to the flourishing of people, if you you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you will never be wrong if you take the risk of generosity, so, well, let me pray about it. Let me just go to the prayer closet right now. You're in Costco. Do it. You don't. Know, there's some things you never have to pray about. Let's just get real simple. If you have the, if you have the opportunity, if you see the need, if you feel like the Lord brought them to you, you just he he already answered your prayer. Now you go be the answer to their prayer. Jesus is always paying attention. To the needs of the people here's the reality it can feel so overwhelming all of the needs part of that is because we are awash in information and if we would just put our phones away some of that doom scrolling would lessen and we would actually be open to the needs in front of us and be able to meet it without being so emotionally depleted so let's just pay attention to the moment that we're in But I understand that it can be overwhelming and the needs are everywhere. It it can be easy to get lost in statistics. It can be stultifying to be surrounded by all the needs. So let me just say this, only Jesus can address the entirety of the needs represented in the crowd. Only Jesus, only Jesus can address the entirety of the needs. None of us can step in and solve the world's issues. Only Jesus can feed the multitudes. But the provision of Jesus always comes in partnership with people who are willing to help. That's what this story's about, a little boy. I love this. Yeah. Philip is going, it's going to cost a year's wages, Jesus. That's unwise. We shouldn't do it. It's not, it's not economically, it doesn't make no sense, Jesus. <laughs> Philip was from Oklahoma, okay? <laughs> I know him. I, I know him. I've done seen him. He had a dip in his mouth when he said,
0: <laughs> don't make no sense.
2: But there's this little boy who goes, oh, I got some stuff. I, my mom packed me a lunch before I walked around the, the lake. Here you go, Jesus. Only Jesus can meet the need, but he's always looking for partnership with people who are willing to help. John 6, verse 9, here is a boy with five small barley loaves. I got some props tonight. We're gonna have fun in church. Miss... Miss Miller uh, made me three. I asked, I put it up on Instagram, does anyone make any sourdough bread? And, and in like 10 minutes, six people said, I can. And I, so I took it down and I said, just bring me one, miss. And she brought me three. So we're gonna have fun tonight in church. Straight out of the oven. And... A boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus goes, just give it to me and get out of the way. You don't yet know who I am, do you? You don't know the abundance that is in front of you, do you? You're looking at the lack. You're not focusing on the abundance. And Jesus says, bring it to me. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. I remember when I was 19 years old, I was a sophomore at Oral Roberts University and it was spring break. And one of the guys on my wing at a college was a guy named Kyle McCalman. And Kyle lived in Colorado Springs. And he said, hey, Grothy, what are you doing over spring break? And I said, I, I, nothing. I'm just here. I'm home in Tulsa. He goes, well, get in my car and come with me to my place in Colorado Springs. And my, my, my parents said that you could stay with us. I was like, okay. What else am I going to do? 19. We drive up north hang a left in Kansas and pull into Colorado, and I spent a week here. Something came alive in my spirit that week. A 19-year-old boy, and I thought, this is heaven. <laughs> like, we're not in Tulsa anymore, right? I love it, Dad. I'm sorry. You know, Dad, Dad's a 52-year Tulsa guy. He gets kind of <laughs> sensitive when I talk about Tulsa. Like, love Tulsa. Colorado Springs, right? So. And I met Kyle's little brother, Drew. Drew was 15. I don't know if some of you know Drew McCalman. He was 15. I was 19. And I stayed in their basement. They had a a little craft room. Miss Greta had a craft room, and there were no windows in it. And she said, you can stay in the craft room. And it was so dark and so cold, and I was so 19. And so I slept till one every day. (laughs) I must have grown an inch that week. I just, and I come out, I thought, what time is it? 8 8.30? They go, it's one, bro. <laughs> and, but that week was amazing. John Egan had just moved here, and I knew John from Tulsa. And so we hung out that week and saw Glenn Packham and saw Jared Anderson and saw a bunch of these guys, Jeremiah Parks and different friends that I knew from Tulsa when they were at ORU. And something got in my spirit that week about Colorado Springs. Miss Greta said... Um, you can have my craft room. It, I mean, it's not, it's, we got a blow-up mattress, but it, it'll do. You, you want to stay in my craft room? And man, I ate so much cereal that week. <laughs> and that week, 19 years old, something happened in my soul. Colorado Springs. The next summer, I was out here with Jordan and Mindy Linscomb. We were on a trip, and ORU trip. I was getting ready to go into my junior year, so I was 20, and I met Ted Haggard, the former senior pastor here. And Ted offered me a job that week. I was, I was 20. He said, I know you have two years of school left, but you got a job here if you feel like the Lord's calling you to Colorado Springs. But just come next summer, and why don't you work at the church as an intern, and, and I, I'll talk to Ross and Amy Parsley, and maybe they'll let you stay in their house. And I stayed in Ross and Amy Parsley's basement for 10 weeks. They didn't know me from Adam. I was 21 years old and they said, sure. So, uh, I've heard of David and Becky Grothy. They're great people. If they had a son, he's probably half decent. So just bring them on out. So I stayed with Ross and Amy Parsley for 10 weeks and I worked at the church and my spirit came alive. Colorado Springs. And then Lisa and I got engaged and we came out here. They flew us out here at Christmas of my senior year and they said, here's what you'll be doing. And she interviewed at the Classical Academy and they offered her a job and something came alive in our spirits. Colorado Springs, you know what happened? It started with Greta McCallman saying, you can stay in my craft room. I I don't, we don't have much, but this'll do. Give the little bit that you have to Jesus and watch him make it much. Jesus took their gift and he blessed it and he passed it out and he multiplied it and my family has thrived in Colorado Springs. And I can trace it back to being 19 years old. Tucked away in a craft room. People who didn't know me said I could come and stay with them and the direction and trajectory of my life completely changed because Jesus knows what to do with the scraps of our offerings. Dwayne and Vi, would you come up here? This is going to be a. Are Dwayne and Vi in here? I, yeah, come on up here. I'm just going to call some people up tonight. Just uh, uh, come on up here. We uh, Lauren Song made this incredible king cake. Has anybody ever had a king cake? Come on, man. You have not eaten until you have eaten something that Lauren Song has made. She's opening Cafe La Rose. She makes the best gumbo in town. She's a Louisiana girl. I asked her yesterday, hey, could you whip me up a king cake? She said, I'll have it ready. Friends, I'm telling you, get your mind right and buy a king cake from Lauren Song sitting over here. Thank you, Lauren. Dwayne and Vi, here, what what I want you to do while I'm talking is just pour yourself a drink. We got these cups over here. I promise you, non-alcoholic, everything's straight. But pour yourself a drink. You can cut some king cake if you want. You can cut some bread. But Dwayne and Vi Horn, they they don't know that I think this. I, I I hope they I hope they know, but I don't know that they believe it. But these two have encouraged me more than Most of this congregation, Dwayne walks around before the service, he comes an hour early. You'll see him walking through the building from that side to that side and back and back and back and back and you know what he's doing? He's praying for you. He's saying, come Holy Spirit, get him tonight, Jesus. He'll come up to me before the service and hit me in the chest. He's a college basketball player and I was a college basketball player and you know he was just dunking all over, folks. Great three-point stroke and he comes up to me and he goes, let's go, baby, Let's go give it to us tonight. Preach the word, man, of God. Let's go. I'm praying for you. And then he takes off down the hallway. And he said, Lord, get these kids. Take care of these kids tonight. We pray, fill this place with the glory of God. And Vi is this sweetest, sweetest lady you'll ever meet from Hawaii. A woman of, sometimes, sometimes, Dwayne said. <laughs> Dang. Hey, there's a craft room with a little blow-up mattress with your name on it tonight. This couple, they have two of the most delightful kids you'll ever meet, and the four of them come every Friday night, and they're here saying, come, Holy Spirit, build your kingdom here, Jesus, be glorified, save and deliver and heal, Lord, protect, and I would just want to say to you tonight, you may think it looks like this, what you're bringing, You're just here praying. You're just here walking the halls. You're just here with your kids. You don't think it's much, but I promise you Jesus has taken your offerings and he has broken it and blessed it and passed it out and fed the multitudes. People who don't even know these two have been blessed and saved and healed because of these two. And so what I'm saying to you tonight is if you will take the little bit that you have to offer to Jesus and give it to him like that little boy with five loaves and two fish, he will bless it and break it and pass it out and feed the multitudes. Would you give it up? For Dwayne and Vi Horn. I love you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate <laughs> you. I'll say it this way your job is not to try to calculate what Jesus can do with your offering, your job is to give it to Jesus and then watch him multiply it. Shirley, Don, could you come up here? Matthew, could you help Don and Shirley come up here? Shirley and Don Matthews are legends around this place. And when I came here 21 years ago to start interning, Shirley was one of the receptionists at the church. And I don't know, she, she's, what is she, 45, Shirley? (laughs) Don's 91, but she's 45. (laughs) Come on, you guys, let me me help you up here. He said, oh my God. You see, embarrassed, huh? Come on, Shirley. Every week they come to Friday night. They have 12 children. They come and they get, I don't know, they'll go to In-N-Out Burger. Here, come on over here. You want, you want some of this king cake, I promise you. <laughs> they have 12 children and they come here every Friday night, get a, a dinner beforehand. Then they'll come and worship and they'll pray and they'll stay around and they'll give me a kiss on the cheek and they'll tell me how much they love me and how much they've been praying for me and they greet all the people like they're just some of the heroes around here and then they go get some ice cream and they go home. And I say, every time I see them, I say, I wanna be like you one day. I wanna be a 91-year-old driving out on a Friday night to come up to the house of God to bless people, to strengthen people, to encourage people. And I promise you these two They don't think of themselves as bringing a whole lot. But I don't know what this church would be without these two. They've been here for decades. They went through crisis after crisis at this church and they stayed faithful. They kept praying, they kept worshiping, they kept giving, they kept sacrificing, they kept opening their home and they did it at the cost of their own lives. They did it when it wasn't cool to be a new lifer. They did it when it wasn't cool to be a Christian. They just did it because it's right. They did it because it's in the core of their being. And these two are pillars in our church. And they think that they've just got five little loaves and two fish. But you watch what Jesus does with a couple like this over the decades. He takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he passes it out and he feeds the multitudes. Friends, I'm telling you, you are looking at royalty in the kingdom of God. Matthew, I love you, I love you. I just want you to see my friends, I want you to see what it looks like to bring what you have to Jesus and watch him do the work. Steve and Tim and Sean, could you guys come up here? Steve, Tim, Sean, I don't know if Matt's here, Matt Galler. One second, Stephen. I'll call you in a minute, okay? Steve Young, Tim Kamasta, Sean, is Matt Galler in here? Christian Welch in here. They might be off tonight. I wanna, come on up, guys. I know you hate this, but I love it. (laughs) These guys, grab a drink, guys. Grab a drink, come on. Cut into this cake. Y'all are being too precious, come on. Uh, (laughs) No, there's no whiskey, come on. (laughs) These guys right here are part of our life safety team. They've got little, you know, got stuff in their ear and they're looking at their watch and they got their head on a swivel and they're just, you know, they're doing their thing. They might have a taser or two. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. What you don't know won't hurt you and act right. They'll have your hands all zip tied up behind you but these guys are excellent. They are trained, they are pros, they have served in our military, they have gone all over the world, they're pilots, they're they're medical professionals, they're excellent at their craft. Everything they do, they are so busy with life that they could say to themselves, I don't have time to be a servant in my church and I certainly don't have time to volunteer. And these guys have done it for years. Every single week. They show up and they serve every single week. I've seen them, we've had medical issues through the years and I've seen them snap right into attention and they know exactly what to do and they do it with respect and they do it with dignity and they honor everyone and they've, they've taken care of people. I remember someone choking in this room. A gal in a wheelchair one night, she, she started choking and they immediately wheeled her out into the lobby and they put her on the ground and they saved her life in this church. As volunteers. And these guys are as decent and honorable as they come. And they would do anything for anyone in this room. And I know these, these are brothers with me. And they've been running with me for years. And I just want you to know that they might think. That's, I just, you know. But Jesus takes it and he blesses it and he breaks it and he passes out. And for, for decades around here, God has had his way in this place and he's protected people's lives in this place because of men like this. Would you honor these guys tonight on our life safety team? Much love. Please take some of this, please, Steve. Think about Brandon and Kim over here, Brandon and Kim, Wilson. Kim's an occupational therapist, Brandon's in the military, and they've been married all these years. They've got these unbelievable kids, and they love Jesus, and Kim came to us recently and said, hey, you know, I see a need for a room for specialized needs, for for children with specialized needs, a separate room upstairs to take care of these kids, and I've been trained in this my whole life, and Brandon said, yeah, let's do it. I'll support that, and they they have been upstairs, these two, and Tiffany Gowler upstairs, just every week, sacrificing and serving and blessing our kids. You're sitting here having your coffee and having a blast and you got your feet up and people are running hard upstairs. People like Brandon and Kim and Tiffany Galler and Matt Galler, who's on the life safety team. Can you say yes and amen to all that these people are doing? and they might think of it as just here's kind of what here's what I can do. Here's what I'm telling you. Jesus is only interested in asking you to do what you can do. What do you have in your hands? Jesus doesn't expect you to give a gift that you're not able to give. Jesus isn't wagging the finger at you that you can't pay off all of the debt of New Life Church when when you're making what you're making, but he's just saying, hey, will you take what you have and will you give it to me and trust me to take it and bless it and break it and pass it out to feed the multitudes? One last story. Stephen, would you come up here? I just got to see him tonight for the first time in several years and I have missed you. They're in town from Oklahoma and they're about to have their fourth baby and I got to officiate their wedding and they're just a stunning couple, Stephen and Katrina. But Stephen, the first time I met him was here at a Friday night when it was The Mill, College and 20-somethings group. And Stephen, St. Louis, right? Yep. You just yep. moved here from St. Louis. And right when he, he came in first Friday night, he's like, what can I do to help? How, how, how can I'm like, I love you, man. Get your butt over here. What can I do to help? And I said, well, we've got to, you know, tear down after the service. Why don't you just stay around and, and help on the tear down crew? And he, he, just, he just jumped into the family. And I said, well, let's get a meal. A couple weeks in, we, we get a meal. And I start asking him his story. And, and as I'm getting to know him, he, he says to me, I said, where do you live? He said, well, to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm living in my car right now. And I said, are you Really? And he told me a couple of the parks that he would go to or the parking lots that were safe and he would go there under the cover of darkness at 11 o'clock, turn off, kind of look around, scan the thing, and then try to close his eyes for a few hours in Colorado cold. And I said, oh, Stephen, man, I'm so sorry, and... And then my friend Terry here in the church called me. He goes, Daniel, I'm looking to hire a great young man. Do you know any guys that got energy and snap and they love to just bounce into a room and make it better and they're just willing, there's nothing that's below them and they're willing to just help people and they're a blessing. And I said, I've got just the guy. And I said, here's Stephen's phone number. And Terry called Stephen. He hired him that week. A month later, Terry called me and he said, thank you so much for introducing me to Stephen. He's the best employee I've ever had. And this guy he is helping people find freedom in Jesus. They're living in Oklahoma now, my motherland, and I love them for it, but we miss you. And and I want to just say to you he just showed up and said, "Can I well, I can tear down chairs?" I can move some tables. I can vacuum the room after all the thousand college kids leave and it's nasty. There's not, I'll do whatever's needed to be done. And I saw something in Stephen that night. I saw a man of God of great excellence. And a week later, he gets hired because he is that man of God. And I'll just tell you, Jesus knows how to take setting up some chairs and cleaning up some tables and take it and bless it and break it and pass it out. I didn't even tell you to get a drink. Get a drink right now. Get some king cake. Jesus knows. Okay, yeah, you do need some of that. I just want to know who's going to drink the milk. Come on, man. Oh, right there? Swing by afterwards. All right. Jesus knows how to take what we have and make it great. I did some stats. As Stephen's getting his drink here, this May, here in in another eight weeks, we'll have completed 10 years as New Life Friday night. It's really cool stuff. And let's say for the last 10 years, we've averaged 800 people every Friday night. Let's call that, thank you, Stephen. I love you, man. Welcome home. 800 people a week for 48 weeks a year. There's a few weeks that we miss because of holidays. That's 38,400 bodies that come into this place every year. You multiply, I know there's some overlap there. I'm not saying... 38,000 individual people. I'm saying like some of you come every week, okay? Just work with me. 38,400 bodies in this place every year on Friday nights. Times 10 years, 384,000 humans coming into the presence of God. What I'm telling you is somehow, some way, over the last 10 years, Jesus has fed all of us. I don't know how he has done it. It boggles my mind. And I, stories like this happen all the time where someone comes in and he says, I'm sleeping in my car and I go, oh God, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I would love to buy you a house. I, I can't do that for everyone, but, but somehow, way, we look up these years later, and he's about to have his fourth baby with his bride right here, and they're thriving, and they're living on land in Oklahoma. Why? Because Jesus knows how to provide for all of the people. It's our job to come and to cooperate with Jesus It's our job to give what's in our hand. It's our job to trust him. It's our job to sacrifice. It's our job to partner. It's our job to help each other raise children. It's our job to honor and dignify the elderly among us, like Don and Shirley. This church will always honor and dignify the elderly. Why? Because they made us possible. They have served and been faithful and we're not gonna send them off into the quiet of old age. No, we're gonna say, we stand with you, we bless you, we love you and we will walk you home to Jesus and we will cry. We love you guys. Friends, Jesus is the one who feeds the multitudes. We're the ones who bring our little loaves and fish. At the end of this text, Jesus says something that boggles the mind. He says, I am the bread of life. Not just, hey, give me your bread and I'll do a party trick. Shazam. Whoa! Jesus is not doing party tricks. That's not what this is about. When Jesus does a miracle, what he's doing in the miracle is showing us what the future kingdom of God will be like when there is no poverty. When there is no hunger in the streets, where there is no homelessness, where there's no heartbreak, where there is no death. Jesus, all of his miracles are a glimpse of the kingdom that is coming. But Jesus says at the end of this text in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Not just, I'll make sure you have bread to get by until heaven. I am the bread of life, he says. The first section of this text, we can see that Jesus cares about our real needs, but the second section of this text, we can see that Jesus wants us to know what will truly satisfy, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I want you to see John 6 toward the end. He says, I'm the bread of life, and your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Remember, they came out of Egypt. And they were were on the, the, the run for 40 years in the hot wilderness. He says, your ancestors ate the bread in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. And Jesus says, I am the living bread. You want provision, that's fine. I'll take care of your provision, but I will satisfy your soul. I will make you happy. I will lead you forward into eternity. I will be your God and you will be my people. And you will try to build your life around the things that make you happy. You'll try to build your life around resources and around possessions. You'll try to build your life around pleasure. And you'll think that if you get those things, you'll be happy. Jesus says, you won't be happy over there. You will only be happy if you come to me, the bread of life. And Jesus says, anyone who comes to me and eats, you'll never go hungry again. So friends, Jesus cares about our real needs, absolutely. And I pray for all of you. And we wanna be a church that continues to partner with our congregation. Those who are in lack, we want to stand up and be a part of God's provision for you. Jesus cares about our needs. But Jesus ultimately wants to show us what will truly satisfy. And Jesus says, I am the one that will truly satisfy you. Stop chasing joy over here. Stop chasing pleasure over there. Stop trying to build idols over here and thinking you're gonna be okay. I am your true satisfaction. Friends, what I wanna call you to tonight is worshiping Jesus. I wanna call you to come be satisfied with Jesus because here's the thing. I'm in a lot of end of life situations, uh, deathbeds, and people's homes and hospice care and hospital rooms, I'm I'm at those final moments disproportionately more than most people in this room. And I've learned some things about the end. I've learned some things about death. And it's this, the playing field is level when we're in that moment. A deathbed is a deathbed. And you can be rich as they come. You can be Steve Jobs and have everything you could ever imagine. A deathbed is a deathbed. A deathbed. And you can be poor, and you can just be living on the little scraps of God's provision, and you can just be eking by, but you come to that moment, and the playing field is level. And I'll tell you, I've never been with someone at the end of their life who was talking about how big their home was. I've never been with someone at the end who was telling me what cars they had out in the garage. I promise, I've never heard it once in my life. I've never been at the end where someone who was in need, what was ending their life thinking about their need, what they were ending their life feeling was finally peace is coming to me. Rest is coming to me. Jesus will be my provider. Jesus will lead me forward into the kingdom to come. I'm finally going to find fullness of life and satisfaction. Friends, the playing field is level at the end and those things that we build our lives around, possessions and and moments and idolatries and pleasures, all of that stuff fades away at the end. And what I have found is that people are happy at the end when they have built their life on the one who is true satisfaction. Jesus Christ is Lord. I've lived my life trying to follow Jesus. With all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and with all my strength, was I perfect? No, but Jesus has been good to me. I trust Jesus and I worship Jesus and I love Jesus and I give Jesus thanks. He's the one that overcame death, hell, and the grave. So even this last moment right here is not my last moment because Jesus is king. Jesus says, I am the bread of life and don't get your focus on the little bits of provision over here. I am the one that will truly satisfy. So here's what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to spend the rest of your life at the feet of Jesus, worshiping the one who is the living bread that has come down from heaven. What does it look like? Get up in the morning and say, Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I bless you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I honor you. Jesus, I adore you. Thank you for another day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And at Lisa prayed that this morning at 4:45, and I said, Shut up. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's pitch black in our room. But something in my spirit leapt when she said it. And we just, she started saying, Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we honor you. Thank you for these kids, Lord. Thank you for our parents, Lord. Thank you for this house, Lord. Thank you for jobs. Thank you for health. Thank you for friendship. Thank you for New Life Friday night. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, help us to carry your name today. Help us to be sensitive to the needs around. This is before 5 a.m. Friends, if you'll just stay with Jesus, you will be satisfied. I'm not saying you'll be wealthy and, and healthy and flat-bellied and, and happy all the time. I am saying you will be satisfied. And then when the day accrues and, and life happens like by 6 a.m. at the breakfast table with the kids, hit the reset button, you go, Jesus, thank you so much that you say peace be still to these kids. Everyone be Quiet. Jesus, we bless you. And, and and read the scriptures with your kids. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we want to serve you. Jesus, make us clean. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Friends, if you will stay with Jesus, you will never go hungry. And you will never be thirsty. And you will find true satisfaction. Because satisfaction is not found in stuff. Satisfaction is found with the person whose soul has been steadied and strengthened and healed and forgiven by Jesus Christ the Lord. Stay with Jesus. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to invite our communion servers to come forward. And this is the right time to respond to communion. This is the right text. I am the bread of life. Here's what I want you to do as you move through the room. If you're new with us, we we step out of the seats or come forward if you're able to physically. If you're not, ask your neighbor. They'll bring you an extra. But here's what I want you to envision I want you, as you come forward to the table of the Lord, I want you to bring all of the stuff you need to give over to Jesus. Come with your hands full of all the trash and all the garbage and all the sin and all the fear and all the anxiety and the bitterness and the hatred and all the stuff. Bring the stuff that you need to exchange. As you come down, they're gonna take this little cup and this little wafer and they're going to put it in your hand. Before they put it in your hand, I want you to lay that stuff down and say, Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, take this from me. Jesus, I don't want this anymore. Jesus, maybe some of you need to drop some forgiveness off as you come. Lord, I bless them. Lord, I pray for them. Be good to my enemy, Lord. Take care of the one who cursed me this week. Lord, just drop it here and then open your empty hands and let them put the cup in as you walk through. Let Jesus make the exchange. Our sin, our burden for his healing and for his life. Friends, come to the table of the Lord. As we worship Jesus, what you'll do is come through, get your elements, go back to your seat, hold it there, and in just a minute, I'll come back and we'll receive together. Come and worship the bread of life.
0: Death. And the dead will show
2: This bread and juice up here it feels like a desecration to eat that little pack. I'm sorry. Can we just take a vote? Are we ready to go back to stuff like this? Are, did, uh, did we get over? Uh, is it, are we done? Are we, are we good? Anyway, I'm just I'm I'm kind of done. Amen. That was the loudest amen I got tonight. Amen! friends Jesus is the bread of life Jesus is the only one who will satisfy you can we put the rest of the stuff down can we walk away from it are we done yet with all the old stuff Jesus says I am the bread of life on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you and as often as you do this Do this for the remembrance of me. So friends, tonight I say, taste and see that the Lord is good. On the same night he was betrayed, he took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant. And it's given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of. Of your sins even right now prophetically I sense that some of you are piled under a a just debris and shame and guilt and all the past and the enemy wants you to stay there Jesus says drink up to your forgiveness you're clean you're washed there's a new covenant with heaven you are not your old story you are new creation in Christ Jesus and so tonight I say in Jesus name you are free drink up Let's sing. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Praise His name
0: forever. Come on, let's go for it tonight.
2: This verse then on the third at break of dawn singing it on the third at break the son of heaven rose again of thing announcements before I pray you out of here with the blessing. First of all, you will not find better king cake in all of Colorado. I'm putting this right here on the stage with a knife. Come demolish this thing. Can we give it up for Lauren's Song one more time making this cake? Second thing, if you're college or 20-something, Pastor Alex Thomas is is about to take you out to In-N-Out Burger for dinner. He's going to buy, okay? So I've given him the church credit card. We're going to go for it tonight. College and 20-somethings, raise your hand in here tonight if that's you. Look, I can't help you. If you won't take a free meal, I won't help you. I can't help you. So Pastor Alex is right over here. He did the offering tonight. Meet him over at In-N-Out Burger. We've told him to be ready, so we're going to take care of you with a great meal. Can we say amen tonight? Okay, now, open your hands to receive the blessing of God as you go. I pray that this week all of your needs would be met. Jesus sees you walking around the shore of the lake and he knows what you need. So I pray for supernatural provision this week. Some of you need a breakthrough right now. Lord, open the windows of heaven and do it. Take care of your people. No lack in this house, we pray in Jesus' name. So Lord, provide. And I pray that this week you would spend your week tasting the bread of life, worshiping Jesus, following him with everything in you. I pray tonight. May the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his peace tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Okay, prayer team will be down here. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central. If you want Guatemala information, go to the back. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.